three. Today on the show, we're talking about how you need to have clear priorities. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your co-host, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host Trevor. And today on the show, we're talking about how you need to have clear priorities. And before we get into the topic of priorities, we've got a, a quite a few emails on. So we've titled this whole series on 25 things successful people do. And we've got a ton of emails saying, you know, how about defining success? You know, what is success? We're, we're not defining success. And if you go back to the very beginning of this series, the the article we based this on, we, we found an article and it was titled, 25 things poor people do that rich people don't. And I loved the the meat of the article, the details, but I hated the approach. I Two things I didn't like. So I don't like talking down to people who are less fortunate. And this article identified them as poor people. And I, it's almost like when you talk about poor people, you're talking about them as it's something that can't be changed, right? You, I, I don't, I don't want to refer to poor people. And the other thing is this, this whole article, it was really focused on what things you shouldn't do. This is the, these are the 25 things you should not do. And I'd rather focus on the 25 things you should do, right? So even if you, you avoided all these 25 things, like the article suggests, you still might not become rich. So I just, I didn't like the approach. So our definition of success is is basically wealth. That that that's how we're defining it for this this series of episodes is wealth, and I'm gonna say this is so the podcast is a personal finance podcast, simple money solutions. Just so the listeners know, most of the time we're talking about money, right? That, that's the sort of the foundation of of what we do. I think it's important to underscore the fact that success can be defined in a multitude of other ways. We've had we've had a, a wealth of listeners write in as well, expressing that success can be defined as a happy a happy home life, happy family, um, good. Well, health. you can be you can be happy and not be wealthy. I mean, you you can consider yourself successful and not have a, a, a accumulated a great deal of wealth. So I'm not I'm not disputing that fact, but this this 25 part episode is about wealth versus no wealth yes and I, th- I think that's so so to your point we are we we totally acknowledge that success can be defined in a multitude of ways but that's how we are choosing to define it here on the show and, and so this uh, this this point number four in the article was titled um poor people have flawed prior- priorities it's suggesting wealthy people or rich people uh we've we've spun it around saying you know successful people or wealthy people tend to have clear priorities and again there are definitely more things to achieve in life than just accumulating wealth however money does solve a lot of life's problems though that is true yes so that's that's kind of hopefully that addresses everyone who's um, reached out to us about that hopefully that addresses that piece um, one other thing. So along the way, we always, we've asked you to write into us about kind of any feedback you have towards this series that we're doing. 
um, or just anything at all. We, we love getting your um, feedback on future episodes that you'd like to see. And we, we have kind of a nice lineup of those coming your way as well. But we did receive um, a write-in recently from a listener who's not from um, North America. So we definitely have, we, we're so lucky to have listeners joining us all over all over the world. It's, it's, it blows our mind that this happens. But um, this one listener uh, wrote to us with things, kind of some key takeaways that he's um, presented to us from his experience uh, so far in his life. So I'm just going to read a few of them. Um, we Again, we appreciate you taking the time to write in to us as well, this one listener. Um, so take take your time to learn. That's one of the points. Um, pick some topics you can focus on and leave the other stuff away. So I really like this point because... You know, take your time to learn. I just want to touch on that one. I remember my kids in school, they would just want to get an assignment or a, a, a class, just get it done. They just wanted to check the box and say I, I did that but they didn't they one of their flaws was they didn't want to actually learn they, they didn't want to actually acquire the knowledge and so I really like that point that that listener made and I really like this next one that I read um pick some topics you can focus on and leave the other stuff away and that I think it, it really represents that we can't be good at everything we can't we can't maybe master investing, not that we talk about it here, but we can master investing. We can't master maybe everything, but we can get really good and, and dive in and focus on certain things. Well, in a lot of the, the self-help genre out there, it, it approaches things suggesting you're broken and you need to be fixed. And I would say, if you're going to dive into any self-help, why not leverage a, a skill or something you're good at already and take it to another level? So I, I like that one as well. Um, another one, just the last one I'll pick from this list, um, that he submitted to us is, um, invest in, into your career. And this includes working harder than anyone else would expect you to. And you know, this is a common phrase I've heard is work hard when nobody's watching, you know, that that is a, uh, cause somebody's, somebody will always find out it. it so if, if you accomplish something really well, or, or you made a, a huge contribution to the company you work for. And nobody noticed, or no nobody was watching when you did it. If it was a significant of a contribution, somebody's going to figure out who did it. For sure. So that we're going to get into today's show now. Thank you so much again to this listener for for um, oh, like just bringing us these points. It's uh, we we love hearing from you. And if there's ever anything you want to share, um, we will we will we d- we definitely read everything that is submitted to us. Um, but we do our best to get back to everyone just because of how the volume of 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 listener submissions we do get it's uh we we do try our best to get back to everyone though and i just want to say we're working on a a future episode that i'm i'm excited about so i want to talk about it here now it's and it's about recessions and i believe okay okay, we we could very well be in a recession here in november of 2020 i think from an official metric we are but everybody we might be at the beginning of it not everybody's felt it but we're going to do an episode on the concept that every recession, so recessions happen every eight to 10 years. And the con- the concept of the episode is going to be every, I don't care how old you are, every recession that you go through, it's like going through it for the first time because, because it happens every eight to 10 years, you change the things that you care about or focus on or things that are important to you change every 10 years, roughly. So the things that you're going to be nervous about when you're 25 are going to be compl- 
completely different than the things you're nervous about when you're 55. So when the economy takes a turn for the worst, even though you've been through this before, it's going to feel brand new for that reason. So you can definitely look forward to that episode coming soon. We're not sure we might mix that episode in within this series that we're doing because I think Trevor Trevor's itching to get that content out. So we look forward to that episode coming soon. But for now, we're going to jump into today's episode on you need to have clear priorities if you want to be successful. And again, successful in the, the wealth accumulation sense. So during the show today, we're going to be talking about the difference between priorities first tasks. Uh, we're going to be defining the difference between goals, values, priorities, and tasks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Pareto principle, why you need to set priorities, the Eisenhower matrix, and finally, some considerations to make when you're setting priorities. So we have a lot coming to you today in this episode. So, so the original article that um, was published that we were kind of framing this on, the article suggested that what poor people do is they tend to let their emotions dictate their priorities. And uh, rich people or wealthy people tend to let uh, things that are important to them f- uh, dictate their priorities. So they, they kind of, it's almost like uh, the wealthy cohort of people take a step back and, and they don't th- let their emotions get the better of them. And more than that, though, I think in general, there is this belief that emotions are weaker than logic. And and therefore, if we're acting on emotion, it is therefore not as strong as if you're acting on logic. So I think I think that kind of comes into play as well. Definitely. And I wanted to make one, one point I was hoping to make early on this episode is that if you look up the origin of the word priority, it is actually its origin was a singular. It was not not the plural that we use today. Priority meant there was one priority, and, and now in our world today we have priorities, right? So, and competing priorities. So they're competing to become the priority, and, and so so I think we often get confused with. I, I still believe the word priority should be used as a singular. There's nothing wrong with having a bunch of ideas that are competing to be the priority, but don't run around thinking you've got 15 priorities. One of them has to be more important than the, than the other. I'm really glad you raised that point because I think in 2020 in today's society with our with the like the plethora of to-do lists that you can download to your phone and just with it with I think the societal expectation that you should be productive at all times and have this massive priority list like I think I think it really boils down to just the pressure that we have today to to be multitasking at all time and get get those things done like if you if you're at work and your manager you know you've got you know an inbox of 100 unread emails and you've got a whole bunch of to-dos on your list and you're you're just overwhelmed and you go to your manager and you say what's my priority you know that, that that's a good approach and, and but if you said to your manager what's my priorities they're going to say, well, <laughs> all of that, <laughs> right? So I think if, if you if you run with the concept that priority is a singular, I think you will take a lot of, I, I get it, all, everything has to get done. I'm not, I, I get that it all has to get done. But if you can be working on the right priority, a lot of times your, your life or your work life will go a lot smoother. And I think, we're, we're, I do want to keep moving through this episode, but I think 
an important thing to note maybe, and let me know if you disagree with this, Trevor, but is you could technically maybe have a priority in in different facets of your life. You could have a health priority, maybe a family priority. You could have a financial priority. But, you know, when you step back, one of those is going to be the priority of the day or the moment. You know, for instance, in all the ones you mentioned, I'm, I'm thinking given the severity of the situation, my health would be my priority, right? Because with, without my health, I can't accomplish any of those other things. If, if, if your health was in jeopardy, yes. Yeah. Because at the same time, if financial independence is our priority, which, spoiler alert, this might be a, something we're talking about this, during this episode, but you're obviously, you can spend, like, there's no ceiling on how much you can spend on your health. You're, you're right. You have to look at it, like, just say financial independence is my priority and so is a $65,000 truck. Well, those are competing priorities, right? The, 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 those, those two are competing to be the priority and you've got to choose one or the other. So they have to be in the same spectrum to, to, to compete with each other. And that's, that's a good example. And even, but health too, because health is undoubtedly important. And I think that is why sometimes we can't get caught up in spending too much on our family, on undoing things for the kids. We talked about this in a previous episode. So I think yeah, I think balancing your priorities and understanding what the first priority is. So I'm glad you raised that point. It's, it's a good one. So I think to lead into today's conversation, I think a good... So to lead into the conversation, I think a good place to start is talking about the difference between a priority and a task. I think these get used interchangeably and let our listeners know why maybe they're not interchangeable. Well, a priority should be made up of a bunch of tasks because a priority should be uh, an idea or philosophy, right? Like your health should be a priority, but the, there's no action item associated with your health, right? You can't just say, I'm going to make my health my priority and then therefore it becomes important. You, you have to back that up with a bunch of tasks. So a, a well-defined priority will be broken down into tasks which should have clearly stated, should be clearly stated sequentially with defined timelines. And that's how you achieve a priority, like is, is, is a well-defined tasks. So just to reiterate that, the priority then is the kind of the higher overarching thing that you're aiming for. You can look at it this way. I, I kind of, this is how I kind of look at things. So I have my goals in life and, and to achieve my goals, I have values and Actually, I should start from the other end. Well, no, I'll start with this. So I have values. And so my goals are made up of a series of values. And my values are made up of a series of priorities. And my priorities are made up of a series of tasks, if that makes sense. And I'll give you an example. So I have a goal of early financial independence. That's a goal in, of mine in life. And I, one of the things I value, one of my value systems are I believe in used cars. And that that value aligns with my goal. And so I make, okay, to go buy a new car, a brand new car, you just go to the dealership and you order it. To go buy a used car, you have to be proactive. You can't wait till your car dies because buying a used car is a, is a time-consuming process, worth the effort, I'll, I'll say. But I have to make finding that car a priority, right? So I have to be proactive and it has to be pretty. I have to say, okay, this car is 16 years old. I can't wait till it stops running 
So I have to make, when my car gets to a certain age and it starts to become unreliable, I have to make finding a used car a priority. And then I can break that priority into tasks and come up with a used car buying checklist, which I, I have. We've done an episode on it. And this is these are the all the things I go through when I'm assessing a used car or all, all the steps I go through in, in terms of finding a used car. So that's an example of how I, I, you need all those things to be aligned. So it sounds like then that you could have multiple priorities in this sense using this example. Well, so I said it as a singular, but in our society today, it is a plural. Because, because our lives are so nuanced, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so if my goal is financial independence, there's a whole bunch of things that are important to make that happen. So kind of lower, I don't say lower level priorities, but in the sense that, so if we do look at this example, your when we're when we're looking at buying a used car, there literally is just one priority. Your priority is just to be proactive to make sure that you're not saying, "Oh no, my car is not working anymore. Let's think about it now." So you've prioritized that piece of of making sure that buying a new a used car is important. Well, it's kind of intertwined. So I made getting to work a priority, right? I being being able to get to work uh, as rec- I'm scheduled to be to work every day at a certain time. And that's a priority because I, I want to keep my job and my income. So in, in making that a priority, I also have to have reliable transportation. That has to be a priority, right? That's, and of course, how, keeping my job and my income kind of caters to early financial independence, right? So those two, it, it's all intertwined. I don't know that you could separate them. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. And, and just to, I guess, look at this in another, in another way is that some people might not have the same priority as you with buying a car. Maybe, maybe they are buying a new car and their car stops working. They just head out to the lot to buy a new one. So you can kind of see the nuance of how this really is your priority. Yeah. It's, it, your priorities are probably pretty unique from a time, you know, from a time perspective, right? If, if, if not everybody's car is going to fail at the same time. And one last thing before we move on from your kind of goal, value, priority, task um, framework is that it looks like the higher we move up. So we start at the bottom of tasks and move upward um, from tasks, priorities, values, and then goal. It looks like it's a little bit more um, broad, it's almost like a funnel and you kind of start at the top and it gets very kind of more specific on the way down and that it's kind of, if, if you were to look at your goal, you can't really, if you're like, oh, I'm going to achieve for early financial independence in life, that's huge and audacious and it's a little bit overwhelming. And I think it takes the things below the, but I think it's an upside down funnel because the, the goal in life, one of the goals is early financial independence, which, you know, I have many value systems that support that goal. And then with under, under each of those value systems, I make things a priority. Like, for instance, I don't eat in uh, restaurants for hunger, right? So I make packing a lunch or, a, a, you know, when I'm traveling, a priority, right? That's, that supports that value. And then the task would be get up, you know, t- a half hour early to, to make some sandwiches to take with me. So it's more like a triangle. 
Yeah, I guess a triangle, yeah. <laughs> an upside down funnel, a triangle. Yeah, so okay, that does make sense. And at the top, in, or I guess at the top of the triangle, you only have that one overarching goal and all these other kind of priorities are going to help you achieve that goal. So that I, that's a really good framework for understanding how those three kind of intertwine and also support each other. But, you know, we've done an episode on having a value system. I think it was a pre, just, was it the last episode? <laughs> I think it was. It was just recently we did one of value systems. Value systems almost makes this whole thing go. Having values, having a value system makes this whole thing work. Definitely. And if you haven't listened to that episode, head back in our back catalog. It's just a few episodes ago that we did that. Um, you'll see it there. And we definitely, it's, it's kind of a key piece to this, like Trevor's saying. Um, so the next thing we want to talk about is the Pareto principle. Trevor, what is this? Tell us all about it. So this is basically the 80-20 rule. And it suggests that 20% of your efforts tend to lead to 80% of your results. And I believe this to be true in my work life, my personal life. And if you if you can figure out that 20%, think of the efficiency you could build into your life. If you knew the 20% that was going to make a difference, it's not like you can ignore the other 80%. Those are things that need to get done. Like my me cutting my grass, everyone knows I hate cutting grass. Me cutting my grass, it doesn't do a whole lot in the whole scheme of things. And for me, I get nothing out of cutting grass. I, I think my neighbors probably appreciate it. So I maybe I end up with a happy neighbors because I don't have a, a messy, you know, a terrible looking lawn. But I, I, I don't spend a lot of time figuring how to be efficient at cutting grass. I don't spend a lot of time figuring how to make my lawn lush and green. I, I don't put a whole lot of effort into grass because I don't think that is going to help me in my life goals, the things that are important to me. I know people that spend a lot of time on their grass. Somewhere it fits into their world, maybe, maybe not. But the 80-20 rule, so I think this one, if you think of your work world, so at, at work, a lot of people like to chain, like they like to spend their time on the stuff that comes easy to them. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's a, a, a natural instinct, right? You, you, you tend to avoid the parts of your job that you find challenging and hard and exhausting to do. I go at those things with a vengeance because those, those parts of my job that I find hard, they're, they're killing me in the end. So I want to make those things efficient and they, they create stress in your life. The, all the things in your life that, that you avoid, it, chances are it's part of that 20%. So just to kind of clarify on this, you're saying that we still have to do the 80%. We still have to do all the work. We still have to do all the work. We can't just focus on the 20%. Because would you would you say that the other eighty percent is more like busy work, more just kind of tasks? They're not really. They don't lead to your goal, right? That eighty percent, they're not. That eighty percent, like cutting my grass, is not going to help me achieve financial independence early in life. There's there's no correlation there. There's no connection. Having a nice lawn, at best, it's going to maybe increase the property the 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 value of my home uh, marginally like i mean uh it's not in the winter it would have i have zero impact so if i sold my house in the winter a nice lawn so it 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 could influence the selling price of my home it might 
it might make it sell faster. I don't know if it would actually uh, raise its property value, but that that doesn't align with with um, with that. Like, you know, the best thing I'm getting out of cut my grass is I'm getting exercise. <laughs> if I if I have to draw a connection, that's what I'm getting out of it. So, and there's more efficient ways to get exercise than cutting your grass. That's true. So when we look at that, though. You, so you obviously don't spend a lot of time in the grass process. If we're going to, if we're going to go back to that example, but you do it anyway, because it has to get done. It's kind of in the 80% of, of just being a homeowner. But if we look at that 20%, what is something, if we're, if we're looking around your house, if we're kind of using that example, what's something that is, is actually worth your efforts is going to produce 80% of the results. So that's in terms of, I would say selling your house, you're going to see 80% that's where the, 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 when you sell your house, you're going to get maybe money back on doing that thing. So what, what would that represent and, and how much more effort would you put into that? And, and more importantly, how do you know to identify that as something that is worth your time? Because I think this is the piece where we all get stuck. We all get stuck and maybe thinking that grass is the most important thing ever. That's going to, if we're selling our home, that person's going to pay attention to it. So here's something I had, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before I, I moved into my my house and the, the fence, my, my fence around my yard was leaning all, it, it was just a, a mess, right? The, the, none of the posts were cemented in and there should be mandatory jail time for that, but there isn't. And I I looked at that fence and I said, okay, I, my choices are, I, I, th- I thought my choices, I had to tear this fence down and put up a new one. That's on the surface. When I bought the house, I kind of thought that's what I was going to have to do. And I lived here for a couple of years and said, okay, I got to deal with that fence. And I, I got resourceful. I went on YouTube. It's a great resource. And I looked up, you know, what could you do with a fence, you know, that's, that's falling over. And uh, there's this quick setting concrete. So what I ended up doing was I dug holes around all the posts. I kind of expanded the holes around the post, hand dug the area so I could plumb up the post so it was completely plumb. And then I poured down this quick setting concrete down the cement, down the, uh, down the hole. And you just put water to it and it, it sets in about five minutes. So in, in five minutes I had a plumb post. So I, I did that to, I, I can't remember how many posts, there was a ton. And then I got to this one side of my yard and my one neighbor, I was telling him, okay, here's what I've done on three sides of my yard, you know, and it worked magically. And it's been like that for five years. Do you, do you want to try it on the fence between our yards? And he says, no, no, no. We're going to tear that bad boy down and put up a new one. So he's my neighbor. Good fences make for good neighbors. So I decided to go ahead and do that with him. And that ended up, uh, so I looked at what that cost. And then I figured out how much it would have cost me to do the rest of my fence. I probably saved $3,000, you know, so I'm saying quite often it's the things that you don't do. So you, I didn't tear down my fence and put up a new one. It, it's the things that you don't spend money on that are going to help me achieve early financial independence. It's, it's not the things that I do. It's the things that I, I don't do most of the time. But in terms of increasing the value of your home, so you're saying that new home, that new person who's going to maybe purchase your home after is not going to notice the difference between your fence and the fence between you and your neighbors. So when you start buying a home, there's an expectation that there's going to be a fence there. That's the expectation. So when they come to look at my house, they'll look out and say, yep, there's a fence. 
they're not going to know that I straightened all these posts. Now, I, I noticed when I bought it, this posts were leaning over. It still, there was a fence. It didn't, it, it's something that could be changed. It didn't sort of hinder my desire to buy the home. So, but I think all encompassing that visual, the fence isn't falling over. I don't think I'll get any more money for my house, but I think it might sell faster. So I would say then that maybe 20% of your efforts is the resourcefulness and the research that you put into things that are are really going to produce results of you not spending more money than you need to spend on something. You know, I never hire out work that I know I can do myself. Like I know people that hire people to paint their the inside of their home, you know, paint their bedroom and their living room and their dining room. I think that's crazy. I, I can paint, you know, that that's just grunt work. I have installed all the flooring in my house. You know, this, this, uh, floating floor that that's just grunt work. So I hire people to install a furnace. You know, I hired someone to install an air conditioner. Those are things that I think it takes a special skill. If I have electrical work that needs to be done, I hire an electrician. So I hire out skills, for instance, okay, my car repair. There's certain things I can do to my car, but there's certain things I can't. You need specialized tools, specialized equipment, specialized knowledge. So things I can do to my car, I do. Things I can't, I hire out. So if I can do it, I do it. Like that, that I don't even, I don't even entertain. I don't feel like doing it or, you know, this, if I hire a contractor, they can do it faster. If I can do it, I do it regardless of the effort or the time. I I know I'm going to save money. And I think the last question for this is, um, and I, I, I raised it earlier, but I think I just want to come around to it and really address it head on. It is how, I, I think I want to look at the work example because I think we all struggle in this in this area. I know I personally am a victim to this, but de- deciding which tasks or which things throughout your day or throughout your week are going to be the things that make up 20% of the things that produce 80% of your results. Is there, in, in your work experience, is there a clear way to identify this or is there something you can do or ask to be able to understand this? I think you just build a life where those things get focused on, you, you know, that like some people make watching their favorite show on Netflix a priority, right? They make that a priority that they say, I'm going to watch, you know, 10 episodes of my show. That is not impacting 80% of the things you want it to. But what about in a work aspect? So from a work aspect, uh, quite often your priorities are given to you, right? It's, it's not something you can choose, but at the end of the day, you've got a a series of responsibilities, right? You, you, you've got to say things you're responsible for in your job. And I think aside from sort of one-off tasks that are handed to you, you can quickly assess that the things that, you know, if this goes wrong, it goes wrong in a big way. And if this goes wrong, it's just inconvenient, right? If you start assessing it that way, I think you can quickly identify the 20% that's going to impact the 80%. I know that makes sense. I want to jump now on to talking about the kind of... You know, here, here's, a, here's a, a way of looking at that. This was explained to me a long time ago. So if you produce a document or, or some sort of information and it's just information for you that you're going to use as a reference. And if it's wrong, the only person that's going to know it's wrong is you. That, that information... Getting that wrong 
It's just inconvenient. Then there's information, okay, I'm going to assume you work in an office. Then there's information that, that you produce that you just share with your department. And if you get that wrong, somebody in your department, they've got your back. They're gonna, you've created an inconvenience for your department. And it might look bad on you, but the only people that are going to know it looks bad on you is your department, your, your peers. And, and that, that's not ideal, but it's not catastrophic. And then you've got the information that you produce, that you share with your, your facility, everybody in the building you work in. And if you get that wrong, some of those people, they're going to act on it and maybe a bad result will come of it. But it, it, it looks bad in your department, but not in your whole facility. The information that you share with the world beyond the four walls you work in, if you get that information wrong, so you can see the multiplier. If you get something wrong, or so you you don't invest eight, twenty, you know you don't invest enough time into producing that document or that information. The more people that it impacts, so just say you you're in marketing and you put out information to the world, and you got it wrong. Think of the impact that has on your organization. You know, so think of. From a work standpoint, that multiplier is something to consider. So how much time should you put into the information you're producing? You should always try to do your best, but it's who's the recipient? Who's the customer? No, that's a really good uh, framework to look at it and a, and a good way to assess what should be a priority and, and maybe how much time or, or energy you should put into that priority. So I want to talk now about why you need to set priorities. So I think the word priority, I think, is one of those words that we we kind of throw around a little bit and we, we maybe don't understand why we actually need to set priorities. We know priorities are important. We don't know why. So these are four really strong reasons about why we do need to set priorities. Number one is to assess what is truly important. And sometimes just saying it out loud, saying, you know, these are the things that I've got on my desk today to do or am I on my that the tasks I have to do, sometimes writing it down or saying it out loud, it, you can quickly say, well, that's crazy that, you know, I'm making cutting my grass more important than taking my kids to the park or I'm making cutting my grass more important than fixing a leaking faucet. Like you, you sometimes if you just say it out loud or you share your your priority thoughts with somebody else like your spouse or a coworker, you can quickly rationalize what's truly important, but it's getting it documented or, or, or just getting it out in the air that th- this is, these, these are my thoughts on what's important. And somebody would say, well, that, that, that might've made sense yesterday, but it doesn't today. And the next, the second uh, why, when we're looking at why we need to set priorities is to avoid a false sense of accomplishment. And this goes back to the 80-20 rule. So if if you artificially set unimportant things as a priority just to make you feel good because you, you can check them off as done, right? That A lot of people will tackle the easy things first and they feel like they've really accomplished something, but really all the things you you, you did were not of the utmost importance. So the impact they have is, is very small. Whereas if you tackled the hard, challenging job first, it may take you all day to do it, but at the end of the day, you had a far bigger impact. 
The third why is we will gravitate to the easy tasks rather than work on the important priorities. And this is where documenting and saying what it is, this this is where you, you, I think it's hard to say in a work setting, but if you just say it's, okay, I, I work in accounting and when it's budgeting, we're in budget season. So we're creating budgets for the new year. And budgets are, are, of the utmost importance. I mean, it, it sets the tone for numbers you have to live by for the whole next year. And if you ever saw somebody in finance doing some filing during budget season, you would look at it and say, well, that is, what are you doing? Like nobody's filing, it's budget season, right? Or if you're a tax accountant, if you're doing, if you're doing filing and it's like April 15th and you know, it's tax season and it's people saying, you know, who has time to file? We're, we're doing taxes here. So even though, like, I, I think we will, by our natures, we always are looking for the path of least resistance. So I, I think understanding, like setting priorities keeps you from just doing what's easy. And number four, the fourth reason why you need to set priorities, and this one is a big one, I think, for all of us, is procrastination for things without imposed deadlines. So a lot of times in our working lives, even in our personal lives, there's deadlines that are imposed upon us. And those deadlines force us to to get things done. But just say you had your health as a priority. But of course, there's no deadline associated with that, right? There's no, you could get at the end of the day and say, well, I'll, you know, I'll do two extra sets tomorrow, <laughs> right? Like you, you can't, so procrastination, it, it's self-correcting. You can procrastinate as long as you want at school or at work. And at some point, someone's going to hold you to account and they're going to say, you, you told me you'd get this to me today. I need it today. And you'll figure out a way to get it done today. You'll make it a priority because that deadline has come. But in life, there's a lot of things that the deadline is something that you, you give yourself. And if without an accountability partner or somebody who, who's in it with you, you may not, you'll find a reason to not do the hard things. So, procrastination you need to set priorities on things in life that have no imposed externally imposed deadlines and i go back to health as the one that like a lot of times say you go for an annual physical at your doctor and the doctor says you know you need to get some exercise that's about as intense the accountability is going to get for a lot of people right and then just say, heaven forbid, you end up with a, a medical condition. Well, the the medical professionals are going to treat your symptoms, not your cause. Your cause could be, uh, you know, a lack of exercise. They'll continue to treat your symptoms. There's nobody in it except you on, on looking after that particular, making that a priority. And I think, I think this is so big because just like you're saying, it's only probably if, as if, if we're not an entrepreneur, if we're working for someone, that might be the only time and place where we are actually given really and in, in, in school, in the school setting as well, given these hard set deadlines for when things are due and, and that helps us make those priorities. And, 
my question for you is, you know, you, you mentioned the word entrepreneur. So you, well, entrepreneurs are a breed all of their own. They are wired in such a way, such a, they're, if you ever met a true entrepreneur, they are so driven to succeed that everybody is just a tool or a wheel in the cog of this machine. And they, like, I, I'm not a, a true entrepreneur. I, I know I'm not wired that way. I, I struggle to create my own priorities, but those people are driven and I, I have a lot of admiration for a real true entrepreneur. I'm clearly not an entrepreneur as well then, but no, that I'm, it is true. I actually do know some entrepreneurs in my life and that is, that's very true. You can spot them from a mile away. Oh yeah. They, and you know what, that, those are the individuals who can, are probably so fantastic at setting their own deadlines. Um, my question for you though, when it comes to this is if you're, so we look, if we look back at the thing we were talking about earlier, how goals are at the top of really what drives our values and then kind of priorities and tasks. If you have a strong enough goal or strong enough why, so yours is achieving early financial independence, then in your, in your day-to-day life, it must be easier to, to kind of not procrastinate on, on maybe tasks that are going to help achieve your priorities and therefore adhere to your values and help you meet your goals. Well, when my car, so I recently bought a new used car a couple of years, I think it's about three years ago now, but my old used car, it was literally a ticking time bomb. You know, I took it in, they had this terrible vibration. I took it in and asked them what it was. And they said, well, don't take it on the highway, whatever you do. <laughs> that was basically the advice they gave me. But uh, they, they said it was, the repairs were going to be more than the vehicle was worth. I, that, that's my math for moving on to another car. And I made that a priority over a whole bunch of other things because I, I was going to be carless if I didn't move on this. So I, well, my other car is a 16-year-old Honda Civic, which it has... I start to question its reliability too. I didn't want that to be my only piece of transportation. So I made that a priority. That was a self-imposed one. But it, my goal of financial, inter- so just say I I didn't make it a priority and my my vibrating car vibrated itself off the road and it no longer worked. And I, I said, well, I need a car and I, I can't find a used one. I'll, I'll just buy a new one and be done with it. You know, that's the kind of mindset that if you didn't make it a priority, that's where you'd be, right? And if you didn't have a strong enough goal as well, strong enough why you'd be in that those those that position. But you know what binds that whole thing together is that value system. I just don't buy new cars. Even though I and the problem was I had the financial means to buy a new car. So given the situation where I need to get to work, I don't have any transportation, what am I gonna do? It's gonna take me weeks to find a good used car. Like, like you you need to be, I need to be proactive. So I want to now move on to talking about the Eisenhower matrix. And this, if anyone's kind of went to school for business, this is something we also look at when we're studying organizational behavior, but I love this matrix. Trevor, do you want to talk about it a little bit? So I found it under a few names that the most common name I found was, it was called the Eisenhower matrix, but I, I don't know if he invented it, but he maybe was the most known person to use it. So think of it as four quadrants. And basically, you itemize your priorities by what's urgent and what's important. And that's basically the, so just say you've got a, we're going to, and in this case, the word priorities is a plural. 
So you've got a, a bunch of competing priorities and you want to figure out what is the singular priority. And so you you identify all of your competing priorities as it's urgent or not urgent and it's important or it's not important. So something that's urgent and important goes to the top of the list or in it goes to the the top uh, left quadrant. I don't know if this is going to work for audio, but, and then you've got the stuff that's important, but not urgent. And we're going to go through some examples. And then you've got the stuff that's uh, not urgent. It's urgent, but not important. <laughs> and then you got the stuff that's not important and it's not urgent. I think I might've missed a few there. Do we have everyone still? I, you know what I do is I would, uh, I, I would, I would, I would Google what this looks like if, if you're listening. But I, uh, this matrix is really important because it helps you identify where your priorities are and, and, and therefore, and, and how important it is to you. And so Eisenhower was a, a military, he was a general in the U.S. Army. So you can imagine uh, these, in, in the heat of battle, this would be a fluid list that was constantly changing probably hour by hour. In your life, these, you, could, you could almost need to reassess these things week by week, maybe the nature of your life, maybe day by day. So it, it could be, for instance, just say you've got, you've got your, your husband away with a young family and you've got, uh, you know, one of your kids has a hockey practice. There's no food in the fridge and your washing machine stopped working and you have a laundry like everywhere and you have a, uh, I don't know. Uh, you're, you have two bathrooms and one of the toilets isn't working. And you have to, and your pet needs to go to the no, toilet. No, let's just go with oh, the Okay, toilet. we'll go for it. Okay. So I'm going to say that toilet's pretty, it, you already have, you have another toilet. So that, the toilet's important, but it's not urgent. Would you agree? Yeah. So the hockey practice, it's important, but it's not urgent. Correct. Uh, the empty fridge with no food, that's important. And I think it's urgent. Because you can only go so long without food. So you get a feel for how you can sort of organize your priorities and quickly say, well, tonight we're not doing hockey. You know, unfortunately, we got to eat. <laughs> right. So you can you, you can you can quickly see how you can move things around from a priority standpoint. Definitely. This matrix is, I think, and I, I love this matrix, too, because you can apply in every kind of aspect of your life from professional to personal. Because there's a lot of things that are important, but at the moment, they're not urgent, right? So I, I'm not, all those things I listed, they were, they were important things, right? They, they, in fact, they impact your family. But if they're not urgent at the moment, then, then it, it can move down the list. And, and on that one note, one reason I love using this matrix and, and thinking about this matrix is because it can, if you kind of have a big to-do list of, of things that you want to accomplish, it can feel overwhelming. So this is a way to kind of break it down into very, very kind of realistic, logical a way to approach what you actually have to get done. Like cutting my grass was neither important or urgent ever. So it, that's an easy one. So that's the Eisenhower matrix or the urgent slash important matrix. Again. And you actually, you can't just do this in your head. I've, I've discovered. No, this is true. You actually have to document this down to, to make it work. Because because you, you end up with too many moving pieces in your head. Because there's any one of your priorities could 
could fit in one of four categories, right? And it's too hard. And because day to day, week to week, these things can be moving pieces and they can, they can be, they can go from important, but not urgent to urgent, right? That, that could happen. And here's the thing with your health. I like going back to health. The health thing, it's never urgent until it's urgent, right? That it's important. It's all, your health is always important. So getting exercise, eating well, it's always important, but it's never urgent until you're lying in a hospital bed in the emergency ward that then it becomes urgent. And you could say personal finance is financially independent. It's the same way. It's, it's important, but you have to make it a priority. You have to put some urgency on it to make it, to make it happen. And it's a little bit trickier when it comes to financial independence because it is this goal that's so far in the future, but you have to know that the there is, I guess, urgency you know, to... No, do you know what makes it work is you have to make the value system urgent. So when I'm going somewhere for the day and I know I'm going to be gone for like eight hours and at some point I know I'm going to be hungry and I don't... My value system says you don't eat in restaurants because you're hungry. If it's just me and my wife we're not stopping in a restaurant like for for because we're hungry that just we just don't do that so i have to make make i have to make a lunch that has to become urgent at some point right like it's important that i pack a lunch but in the whole scheme of getting ready to go somewhere at some point that's got to become urgent or it'll never get done yeah no that's a great example so the value system makes this whole thing work Oh, definitely. Because again, you, you can't just rely on, oh, I'm going to achieve financial independence one day. That can't just be your, it's important, but it's never going to be urgent. It's too high, high level of an idea and a concept. Yep. So last but not least, we want to talk about priority considerations. We've talked all about the different reasons why you need priorities, but this is something to think about when you are making priorities. So there's three things in this list. Number one is, is my priority in line with my goals? And so it doesn't matter how efficient and how effective you are each and every day at your task list. If you're working on the wrong things that aren't leading you towards your goal, you're wasting your time. So focusing on those priorities that are going to lead you to your goal is, I think, paramount. And this again goes hand in hand with doing tasks that aren't actually compounding to that 20% that's actually going to move the needle. Yeah, and doing tasks that don't line up with your given priorities. Number two, the second priority priority consideration is be aware of the sunk cost fallacy. And this is where you've invested a lot of time or money into something. And, and because you've done that, you've made this thing important. And you're not going to let go of it. But it might no longer be important. It might not have its... And maybe... You've got so much time invested in something that you still treat it like it's urgent, but it's not. And this 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 sunk cost fallacy that you 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 can't give up on it, but but it's it's urgency or its importance has has come and gone. Then you end up investing your time and energy into the wrong things. Meanwhile, something that is going to move the needle is being ignored. Last but not least, the third priority consideration is schedule your most important priorities during your most productive hours. And this one is, I think, the, the key to the whole thing is, is, particularly in your work life, if you have some latitude over when you do certain tasks 
and when you focus on different aspects of your job, if you have that flexibility, do the hard stuff in the morning. You know, get that stuff out of the way. Do that and get, because you take a lot of stress off your plate. But even, so if you think of, okay, raising a family, if you go off to work all day, you, you just burn yourself out at work and you come home and then you have nothing left to invest into your family. You're, it, if you're in a job where it's, it's be, it's just, uh, just beyond your abilities, you're kind of just keeping it on the road. You're just keeping this job together. You're giving it, it's taking every ounce of energy you possibly have to, to succeed at this job. And when you get home, you've got nothing left for your family. That's probably, uh, your priorities, your priority is in the wrong place, right? So if, if you have no time left to give to your family, then you're investing too much time. You, you've prioritized your career over your family. This is a common, I mean, they make movies about this. <laughs> and this, so this is a common pitfall, right? And, and you're rarely going to meet the person who's lying on their deathbed saying, I spent way too much time with my family, you know, that... I, if I could, if I could have those years back, <laughs> nobody, nobody's telling you that story, right? But everyone knows the story where you know they're on their deathbed and they spent way too many hours working, and so that that's somebody who had flawed priorities and looking back with regret. You know, the thing with flawed priorities is when you look back in life, and I'm getting in the older years where I look back and and I, I look there's you know everyone if they could do it over they'd change something, right? And I look back and I think. I put way too much emphasis or I prioritize some things that I shouldn't have. And looking back, those things mean very little to me today. So everyone's going to have those regrets. I think if you can live life with the fewest amount of regrets possible in the, from this kind of standpoint in terms of prioritizing the wrong things, then I think you'd, uh, you'd, you'd probably have a more happy life. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's show on why you need to get clear on your priorities. Um, we today talked about the difference between priorities and tasks, the importance of having kind of one single arching priority when it comes to kind of faucets of your life and, and the goals that you create. We talked about the Pareto principle, why you need to set priorities, the Eisenhower matrix or the urgent and important matrix. And finally, we concluded the show by talking about priority considerations. Next week, we're talking about um, effective time management. So make sure you join us for that show. Um, thank you so much for being here with us this week. And we can't wait to have you back with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple. <laughs>